Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. I thought it would be good to do something uh, that's different to start off the year, and I call this spiritual roadblocks. It'll probably take us a couple of weeks. It's the first Sunday of the new year, and this is a great time to take a spiritual inventory and to make some spiritual New Year's resolutions, ones that we actually might keep. I, you know, we always make these resolutions. Even if we don't formally do it, we, we still kind of decide, well, most of it's around food and exercise, right, after the whole Christmas season, uh, all the good Christmas cookies and everything else that we ate. But ho- hopefully the spiritual resolutions that we make will actually keep and stick to them. Now, before we get into the whole roadblock thing, I want to talk about the first step in our spiritual walk. But let me pray first. Father, we thank you for giving us a place to meet, (laughs) even though it's a little chilly. And we thank you for letting us be here, and we thank you for bringing everyone here that's here. We know we're here for a reason, that your Holy Spirit and your word is going to speak to us today. And just pray for your mercy and grace to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. So, before we get to the roadblock part, the first step in our spiritual walk well, we start to seek, first of all, but when we finally, the, the very real step we take is when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that time that we put our faith in him. John chapter 3 talks about this. Jesus explains the very first step that we take spiritually when he's talking to Nicodemus. In John 3, 3, he says, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Just as we are born physically, Jesus points out, just as there's a physical birth, There has to be a spiritual birth, just as we just announced the baby being born New Year's Eve, very exciting. That's a physical birth, but there's a one-time event that that we are born on this earth physically. But Jesus says the same thing is true spiritually. There has to be a time in our life where we are born spiritually. The word born again gets abused, and there's a lot of weird people who claim to be born again. Guy in the purple hair at the football games and all that. But, But apart from that, that's a very biblical term. Jesus says you must be born again. There has to be a spiritual birth. And it literally means born from above. The Greek means literally born from above. We're born spiritually. That, that has to happen. How does that happen? John 3.16, a couple of verses further, when he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world. God loved us. Put your name in there. For God so loved Put your name in there. Loved us so much, he gave his one and only son. He gave him to die on the cross for us as a substitute. We've all rebelled. We've all sinned. We've turned against God. We all deserve eternal separation from God. But God sent his son as our substitute. He, he stood before the judge and he paid the price, a price that we couldn't pay. And he did it by dying on the cross. Every one of us deserves execution. Every one of us deserves eternal death. But God sent his son to die on a cross in our place. He took our sin, our rebellion, everything wrong thing we've ever done, ever will do. He took it on himself. And we can have forgiveness if how? 
For whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If we will believe in Jesus, and the word believe in in the Greek isn't just uh, intellectual sense, it means to believe with your heart. It means to put your complete trust and hope in Jesus. And every one of us to be born again has to at some point in our life say, God, I believe Jesus was your son. He died on that cross in my place for my sin. And I put my faith in him, my trust in him. I give my life to him. And that's when we're born again. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? I hope you won't let another year go by, another day, another hour go by. Before you put your faith in Christ, maybe even this morning could be the moment that you pray the prayer to give your life to Jesus Christ. So, once we do that, we're born again, we're Christians, and we're guaranteed life forever in heaven someday. It's awesome with our Father. We don't have to fear death anymore. We, we go to funerals, and, and they're, they're sad, but they're not hopeless anymore, because now we know Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear death. But we've become Christians, but God doesn't just beam us up. Right? Beam me up, Scotty. It doesn't happen. He doesn't just beam us up to heaven. Wouldn't it be kind of nice if that happened? We ought to like that, wouldn't we? But he doesn't. Yes, we have eternal life, but that life starts here and now. It starts on this planet because God still has work to do in and through us. He still has work to do in and through us here on earth. And he must finish that work in and through us. And he also must finish... We also have to fulfill our purpose. There's a reason we're on this planet. Once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, he, he starts to show us his purpose and his plan for our life. He has an important job for us to do, uh, to, to touch people and, with the love of Jesus Christ and to, and, and to help people and to make a difference on this planet. So he leaves us here until our purpose is fulfilled. The purpose in us and through us. All right, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. But there are many obstacles. So we have, God has this purpose to complete in us, but there are many obstacles that can keep us from reaching our full potential. These spiritual landmines, you know, that, that you can step on, that can, that can keep us, that, that stunt our spiritual growth, that affect us, that affect our families, that affect our ministries in, in our churches. And the first one, we're going to look at several over the next few weeks. I only got through one today. But the first today is the, a poor Christ image. You've all heard of a poor self-image and how important it is to have a a good self-image. Because if you don't have a good self-image, you feel bad about yourself and you don't reach your potential with your life. And and even more important than that self-image is a good Christ image. But if we have a poor Christ image, who we are in Christ, it will limit us. It will affect our spiritual life. And the verse that I want to focus on for this to start off is Romans 8.15. And this is the one that we're going to start this off, the poor Christ image on. And I want to talk there, where the second part where he says, But you receive the Spirit of Christ, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive the Spirit of Sonship. But you receive the Spirit of Sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. You actually become a child of God. The Bible talks about adoption here in in Romans 8. And you can now call God Abba, Father. Abba means daddy. It's a a term of intimacy and endearment. 
You can, after you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God's not this scary guy up there. He's your daddy. And, and that's who we are in Jesus Christ. That's what God's word says. But so often we have a poor Christ image. We don't understand, fully realize who we are in Christ. We are God's children. Do you understand that? If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, or if you do do that, and I hope if you haven't, you do it today. But the moment you do, you become a child of God, an actual child. And, and the problem is, so many times we don't really fully realize that we have a poor Christ image. We think we have to earn God's favor. But, but Jesus Christ already did that. So many of us are trying to earn his favor, but Jesus already did that. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love for us in that. Christ died. Christ died for us. He's already did it. There's nothing more that you can do to earn his favor. Christ did it all. It's done. Do you understand that? There's nothing. You could climb a mountain. You could save, you know, a burning building. You could, you could do whatever. There's nothing you can do to earn God's favor. It's been done in Jesus Christ. The moment you put your faith in him, Romans 10, 9, and 10, just a little further in Romans, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As soon as you believe in Jesus and confess him as your Savior, your Lord, you are, it's done. It's completed. And so many people, so many people don't get that. Even before they become Christians, we, we try to earn God's love. We try to earn God's favor. We try to work for our salvation. Salvation means we're saved from our sins. We're saved from death. We, we now have, we're guaranteed heaven. We're guaranteed eternity. We're, we're God's children. We, so many are trying to earn salvation. They, we, we call it work salvation. They try to do good works. And if you talk to the average person who doesn't know God and doesn't know the Bible, and you say, how are you going to get to heaven? Well, I'm trying to be good. I've never killed anybody. You know, I've, I, I try to be a good person, and someday I think God's going to let me in because I've done these good things, right? Even religious things. I've gone to church, or I've been baptized, or I've been confirmed, or some religious rite they've done. They, they, they think that by, they can earn their way in by being good, but it's impossible, the Bible says it's impossible. God, Jesus said it's impossible. Not only that, there's no need. There's no need to try. Number one, you can't do it. And there's no need anyway because it's already been done. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9 it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Not by works so that no one can boast. We put our faith in God's grace. That means undeserved merit, undeserved favor, something we don't deserve. And what is it? He says it's a gift. What do you do? Why don't you just went through Christmas? Christmas morning, what did you do? You got your gift, what did you do? Thank you so much for this gift. Now, let me see, how can I pay? How much, will, how much do I owe you for this? Did anybody do that? Nobody. You, you just take the gift and you open it. It's a gift. You don't pay for a gift. You can't pay for a gift. It's impossible to pay for your salvation. It's impossible to get right with God. All we can do is receive his gift. That's all we can do. It's a gift. And we put our faith in God's grace. 
Now, that's how we're saved, but even after we put our faith in Christ, after we become a Christian, after we become a child of God, even after that, we often slip back into the performance mode because of our poor Christ image, right? We, we slip back into the performance mode, and we try to earn God's favor by human effort. We try to earn his favor. So many. We, we put our faith in Jesus to be saved because we know we can't do it on our own. But then as soon as we do that, we say, now, okay, I'm a Christian. Now I'm going to really try hard. I'm going to really try hard to, to live for Jesus. I'm going to really try hard to live the way God wants me to. I'm going to really try hard now. And we, I call it white-knuckle Christianity. We just got to really make it happen. I won't do this and I won't do that and I will do this and I will do And we, we white-knuckle it. But what happens when we try so hard? We struggle, we fail, we fall on our face, we get frustrated, we get mad at God. And it's not even what he said to do. He never told us to just try really hard now that we've put our faith in Jesus. Now we've got to really try hard, white knuckle Christianity. It's not even what he said to do. He didn't say to do that. The Galatians were in the same trap. The people in, the, in Galatia were in the same trap. And listen to what Paul says to them in Galatians 3, 1 to 5. They, they fell into the same trap I just described to you. And in Galatians 3, 1 to 5, listen to what Paul said. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? You get that? The law works or faith. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? They were saved by faith and then they started to try to follow the law to please God. That's what they're trying to do. And, and he's stressing here that we are saved by faith, and now we have to, not by works, we're saved by faith, not by works, but now we have to keep on living by faith, not by works. And so many times we slip into that, don't we? Galatians 2.20 talks about this, where he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. How do we live? By faith. We're saved by faith. We also have to live by faith. Very, very, very important. Yes, we do want to live a life that pleases God. Very, very important. Now, we want to live a life that pleases God. But it's how... Now, understand this. It's how we live that life and why we live that life that makes all the difference. It is important to live a holy life. It is important to, to follow God's word and his plan for our life. It is important to be holy, just as we sang about God being holy. Very, very important. But how we do it and why we do it makes all the difference, and it's all based on our Christ image. It can't be on our own strength or we're going to crash and burn. Anybody crashing? <laughs> you might know somebody who's crashed recently. It's because we try to do it on our own strength. I've told this story before, but it's, it's so perfect for this part. Uh, very first time I ever went water skiing. 
and some of you heard heard this story in the past. I was it was on the Niagara River, and really choppy, bumpy water there. But if you stay in the wake, you're okay. And 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 it was about a couple, maybe five miles above the falls, and there's a strip of water that people would water ski on, and and my friends, good friends, took me water skiing. I'd never gone water skiing. I was like a senior in high school or something, because I grew up on a farm, and we didn't do that kind of fun stuff. I was out bailing hay while everybody else is out water skiing and snow skiing, right? So anyway, uh, so I went skiing, but I was, I was an athlete, and, I, and they said, let's go skiing, and I said, yeah, I can do it, and they, everybody was getting out there water skiing. It looked so easy to me, you know, because you know, I, I was a strong, I was an athlete and everything, and uh, so I'm like, this is going to be a piece of cake. So I get out there, and they said, okay, now this is how you do it. First time I ever skied rope between the two skis and I'm holding on they said now just hold on to the rope and the boat will pull you up and then just hold on okay good good so the boat takes off pops me right up this is easy you know I was athlete you know farm boy you know strong you know and pops right up and as soon as I got up I pulled on the rope guess what happened fell on my back smack you know went down and they wheeled around I said don't pull the rope. Just let the boat do it. But it just didn't feel right. Every, they got me the, lined up again, popped up again. And as soon as I got up, I felt like I had to do something. So I pulled on the rope. I pulled on the thing. Whack right on my back again. Every, you're not, you know, if you've ever water skied, you know, that's a big no-no, right? They pull around again. They said, come on. And they, this went on, I, I don't know how many times, five, six, seven, eight times. I don't know. It just kept happening. They were joking, you know, we could see the falls. We could see the falls, you because know, we're literally moving toward the falls. There's the mist. If you, if you do one more time, we're not going to, we're just going to let you go over, you know. And we were probably still several miles. But anyway, they, they had me a little nervous, right? So, uh, so finally, I'll never forget when I finally got it. They were really getting frustrated with me. And, and, and it pulls up, and I started to put, I stopped. No, don't, don't. And it got a little slack, but I didn't fall. Pull. I kept doing this like this, and finally I just held on. I stopped pulling. And it was amazing. I didn't have to do anything. I just had to hold on to the rope. And, and our spiritual life is, is just like that. Jesus is the rope. God's the boat, and, and his son Jesus is the rope. And all we have to do is hold on. And stay in the wake, wherever he's taking us, stay in the wake. Go where he's going and hang on. Wherever he takes us, we go there. That's, that's, we just have to hold on and stay there. But so often, what do we do? We, we start to take control. Well, I gotta do this. I gotta make something happen, right? You ever do that? You might know somebody like that. You, know, you pull on, we start pulling and we fall flat on our face. Because we're not living by faith anymore. We're trying to do it in human effort. All we have to do is hold on to Jesus and go where he takes us. So it, it can't be our own strength because if it is, we'll crash and burn. And also, this is very important, the motive is important too. It's not just how we do it, but the motive is important. The motive can't be to earn God's love by performing. That can't be the motive. No, we live for Christ because we love God. That's why we do it. Because we love God. Not to earn his love. You see the distinction? We don't do these things to earn God's love. We do it because we love him. We already have God's love. It's, it's not a performance thing. We already have God's love in Jesus Christ. The poor Christ image is why it's so important. Nothing can increase 
or decrease that love for us. And this is really important because it changes the whole reason why we live the Christian life. Not to try to earn something or perform for God, but because we love him. That's why we do it. We love him because he loved us. It's, there's nothing we can do to increase. It's not what we do, but who we are. 1 John 3, 1. When John writes this, he says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. That is what we are. We're, we're his children. And, 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 and that's who we are. We have God's love. I, I remember, um, I'll give you an example of this. I remember, I used children. I remember Ryan, our oldest, when he was just starting to play soccer. He was five years old. We're in Connecticut. And they're in his league. Five, six, and seven-year-olds all played together. And he, we, I remember taking him to his very first game. And I'd worked with him on the yard and, you know, kicked the ball with him. And, you know, taught him how to dribble and do all that stuff. So I was all excited. as his first game. And, and so I remember I was standing there watching the game. And I was right kind of near the coach, maybe a couple, you know, yards from the coach. Because, you know, it's my first kid. And I, you know, you know it's your first kid. you got to help coach, obviously, right? So, uh <laughs> None of you have done that, I'm sure. But uh, and so I'm standing there, and Ryan finally gets in. You know, after a few minutes, they put him in. He's this little squirt with all these seven-year-olds, six-year-olds. He's a little squirt, and they put him in there. And and I'll never forget the first time he got the ball. He gets it, and he starts dribbling around everybody, dribbling, dribbling. I'm like, oh wow, he's doing great. The only problem is he was dribbling the wrong direction. He was going toward his own goal. And just before he got there, one of his teammates came up and kicked it away and saved, you know, saved him from shooting it into the own goal. And, and I, the coach was really mad, screaming out there, you know, you know those coaches, you know. So he's screaming, and, and somehow he caught my eye, and I looked at him, and he's like, he's, he's good at dribbling, right? You know, and so, 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 and I moved a few steps further away from him. But anyway, the, then, um, then... A little bit later on, they, they got it in the other end, and one of his teammates was in the corner, and Ryan went right in front of the goal, because I taught him, whenever your teammates get it, go right in front of the goal. Don't follow the ball. Run to the front of the goal and wait there. And sure enough, the kid crossed it across, and Ryan stops the ball, looks around, kicks it right into the goal. Everybody was shocked. This little kid scored a goal. Ryan looked around like, you know, and I said, that's good, that's good, you did it right this time, because the first time was, you know, not good, right? That was right, he goes, oh, good, he's happy, the coach is happy, you know, everybody's happy. So, when do you think I loved Ryan more? When he was dribbling the wrong way, or when he scored the goal? It was the same. Didn't change. That love that I had for him. And God's that way. He likes it more when we're going the right direction, when we're following what his will for our life. He likes it more, but he doesn't love us more. He likes it more and he doesn't have to discipline us or, you know, turn us around and all that involves in there. But, but he loves us the same. He loves us the same. No matter what, we can never be loved more by God than the moment we put our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. We become his child at that moment. And there's nothing you can perform to get more love. 
Yeah, there's discipline. Yes, there's fellowship. We can break the fellowship through sin. All those things are important. But, but I just want to stress that, that it's, it's a, the, a healthy Christ image is understanding that and, and living by faith and, and living for him because we love him. Not because we've got to follow some rules or he's going to zap us or hit us with lightning. or you know, it, It's because we love him. Very, very important. Are you a child of God? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you ever received Jesus by believing in him? Have you received him as your savior? How? By believing in him. Have you taken that step of faith? And as Christians, do we know who we are, who we really are, and what that means to be a Christian? Do we really understand that? I put an insert in there, and I I hope that this insert becomes, I googled who we are in Christ, and there's a lot of good ones. This is one I found that was on prayertoday.org. Um, it's going to be on the podcast too, uh, on the site you can click on it. But look at the first site where it says the benefit of using this list, the first side. And down at the bottom where there's a couple paragraphs, the bottom two paragraphs, I'm just going to read that. Too often believers believe the lies and accusations of the enemy. They either are ignorant of what God has said or they willingly disbelieve it based on their feelings. We do not have to feel anything. God's truth is God's truth. Last paragraph, we need to learn who we are in Christ and confess the same out loud. I am what God says I am regardless of how I feel about myself. My feelings cannot change the absolute truth of God's word. We need to see ourselves in light of God's word. Once we have heard and seen God's truth, we are to reckon it to be so. Reckon means to believe it, to, to accept it. And, and then on the other side, it, it, he gives who we are in Christ. And this is an awesome, awesome list. He starts out talking about, uh, I am. I am God's possession, Genesis 17.8. I am God's child, John 1.12. Each of these are a Bible verse. When you look it up, it, that tells you exactly what, what that says about that. I am God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. I am God's friend, James 2.23. I'm God's temple, 1 Corinthians 6.16. I am God's vessel. I am God's co-laborer, 1 Timothy 5.18. God's witness, Acts 1.8. Soldier, 2 Timothy 2.3. Ambassador, 2 Corinthians 5.20, building, 1 Corinthians 3.9, husbandry, minister, instrument, 1 Timothy 4.6, chosen, Ephesians 1.4, beloved, Romans 1.7, precious jewel, Malachi 3.17, heritage, 1 Peter 5.3. I have been, and this is a great list to read over and over. I have been redeemed by the blood, Revelation 5.9. Set free from sin and condemnation, Romans 8.1. Set free from Satan's control, Colossians 1.13. Set free from Satan's kingdom, Ephesians 2. Chosen before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1.4. Predestined to be like Jesus, Ephesians 1.11. Forgiven of all my trespasses, Colossians 2.13. 
washed in the blood of the Lamb, Revelation 1.5. Given a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1.7. Oh, that's a good one. Given the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 1.22. Adopted into God's family, Romans 8.15. Sound familiar? Justified freely by his grace, Romans 3.24. Given all things pertaining to life, 2 Peter 1.3. Given great and precious promises, 2 Peter 1.4. Given the ministry of reconciliation, given authority over the power of the enemy, Luke 10.19. Access to God, Ephesians 3.12. Have been given wisdom, Ephesians 1.8. I am, I am complete in him. Colossians 2.10. I am free forever from sin's power. Romans 6.14. I am sanctified. 1 Corinthians 6.11. I am meat for my master's use. I am loved eternally. I am eternally kept in the palm of his hand. I am kept from falling. I am kept by the power of God. I am not condemned. Romans 8.1 and 2. Sound familiar? I am one with the Lord. I am on my way to heaven. John 14.6. Woo! Good one. I am quickened by his mighty power. I am seated in the heavenly places. I'm the head and not the tail. I am light in the darkness. I am a candle in a dark place. I am a city on a hill. I am a salt of the earth. I am his sheep. I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden in Christ in God. I am protected from the evil one. I am kept by the power of God. I am secure in Christ. I am set on a rock. I am more than a conqueror. I am born again. I am a victor. I am healed by his stripes. I am covered by the blood of Jesus. I am sheltered under his wing. I am hidden in the secret place of the Almighty. I have access to God the Father. I have a home in heaven waiting for me. I have all things in Christ. I have a living hope, an anchor to to my soul, a hope that is sure and steadfast, authority to tread on serpents, power to witness, the tongue of the learned, the mind of Christ, boldness and access, peace with God, faith as a grain of a mustard seed. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I find mercy and grace to help. I can come boldly to the throne of grace, quench all the fiery darts, tread on the serpent, declare liberty to the captives, pray always and everywhere, chase a thousand, defeat, overcome the enemy, tread Satan underfoot. I cannot be separated from God's love. Be perished or lost. Be moved. Be taken out of my Father's hand. Be charged or accused. I cannot be condemned. Powerful, powerful promises. Who I am in Christ. A positive Christ image is vital. I want to encourage you to take this list and every day go to this. And and if, if you're struggling with one of these areas, take that verse, look it up, write it out. Put it on your phone. Whatever you do want to do with it. Keep it somehow and just meditate on it and claim it. Know it, believe it, and act on it. Reckon it so. Just, if you just take one of these verses a week, it will, it will change your whole way of thinking and your whole way of living. Vital as Christians in 2016 to know who we are in Jesus Christ. Keep this. And, and just... 
focus on one, if you just focus on one of these at a time, until it really sinks in, not just here, but really sinks into your heart and starts to come out of your life. Your, the year 2016 will be a year of transformation. Transformation. The promises of, the power of the promises of Christ. And the best part about this is we understand that we can now come to our loving Father at any time with anything. And that's what communion is all about. We're going to celebrate communion here in a moment. That's what communion is all about. Communion is a reminder that we can commune with God at any time. Any time. That's what communion means. Connecting. Any time. And the bread and the cup is a reminder of how and why we can connect. Because Jesus gave his body, which is the bread, and and his blood, which is the cup. He gave that for us. And anyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ can commune with God anytime, today, every day. And if you haven't put your faith in Christ, I hope you do it today. But if you're not ready, if you're just seeking, that's okay. Just, I want to encourage you, don't take communion today because that's really for those who have put their faith in Christ. It's no big deal. We don't videotape. Nobody looks around. It's just between you and God. All right? But, but if, if you do put your faith in Christ Communion, because this is communion. It's also a reminder that sin can block our fellowship. An important part of communion is in looking at our hearts and looking at our life and, and realize, is there any sin in our life that's blocking that communion? If you do something wrong to a good friend, what, what happens? If you wrong them, it breaks your, your, your communion with them. It breaks your fellowship with them. Something has to be right. If it's your spouse, if it's a family member, if it's a friend, as soon as you wrong somebody, it puts up an obstacle in your relationship. And what clears that obstacle out of the way? I'm sorry, please forgive me. And it's the same with God our Father. When we wrong him by sinning, we have to say, God, please forgive me. I'm sorry for what I've done. And that's an important part of communion. It is, it's, it's, it's a time to confess and to make things right. And if there's something in your life that you aren't ready to confess, that you're hanging on to and you say, God, you can't have this, I'm going to keep doing this, then don't take communion because don't take it in an unworthy way. Very important that you wait. Wait till next time. But I hope that everyone here puts their faith in Christ and everyone confesses, and, and I hope we all do that and, and, and have that clear connection with God, that communion with him. In just a moment, we're just going to pray, and then we'll have some music playing. And if, if you're ready, and when you feel led, just come on up and, and take a piece of the bread and take a cup and go back to your seat. And just when you're ready, you can take it. You can take it with your a friend. You can take it by yourself. You can take it with your family. There's no right or wrong. It's just between you and God, however you, you want to take it. But just as you take it, remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's how we connect. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you a child of God? You might just be starting your journey and seeking, and that's great. Keep coming, keep seeking, keep talking to God and getting to know him. At the right time, his spirit will lead you into that step. But maybe you're ready now. 
You've never put your faith in Jesus, but you're ready now. The Holy Spirit is calling you now. Reach out and take hold of the rope. It's a prayer of faith. God, please forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong that goes against your will for my life, every sin in my life. Please forgive me. I repent. I ask for your forgiveness. I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. Who died for me. Who came back to life for me. Forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus and I'm going to follow you now. I give you my life. If you've prayed that prayer, or if you do pray that prayer while we're here, or wherever you are, you have just become a child of God. His Holy Spirit has come inside of you. And you can now talk to God anytime, anywhere, about anything through his son Jesus. You can go to God as your father, your daddy, anytime. I want to encourage you to let somebody know about your prayer of faith and your new decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you came with a family member or a friend. Maybe you let me know on the way out or felt the card or text me, call me, any email, anything. Let somebody know though so we can be excited for you and also encourage you and help you grow in your new faith. It's awesome. Your life will never be the same. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us as we start off a new year of our life? How does he want to complete his work in and through us? Maybe you've already taken a hold of the rope, but, but you've tried to <laughs> you keep falling flat because we keep pulling on the rope instead of just hanging on to Jesus and living by faith. Maybe it's surrendering and living by faith in some area of our life that we are falling flat on. Maybe there's a sin in our life that we need to confess so that we can be going the right direction. Not to earn God's love, but so that we can be walking a close relation, closer relationship with him. Because we love him. In Jesus Christ, amen.